The Old Testament reading speaks about wisdom. The particular word in Hebrew is koheleth, something only God has. Mankind by himself can never gain this kind of heavenly wisdom. But God reveals it to us. The reading from Proverbs chapter 2, beginning verse 1. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk, is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Here ends the Old Testament. By the way, our lector this morning is the principal of Emmanuel St. James Lutheran Academy, Mr. Alexander. If you have any questions about the school from preschool all the way up to eighth grade, you talk to him. You talk to the secretaries. They know more. <laughs> the epistle is recorded in Second Peter chapter 3, beginning verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the air of lawless men and fall from your secure position." But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Here ends the epistle. We stand in honor of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 6, beginning verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given to him, that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor, 
He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. They went out and preached that people should repent. He rends the Holy Gospel. We respond at the bottom of page 221 with the common response. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Our text is actually the last verse ever written by the Apostle Peter. At the end of Second Peter, as he knows he is going to die for his faith, he says this, literally, but continue to be growing in the grace and in the knowledge, literally accurate, clear knowledge, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. This is our text. Dear saints of God in Christ Jesus, I should maybe have Mr. Alexander up front here. He could explain to you all there is about education, all the theories and all the ways of doing things, and, but that would bore you silly. Most Americans, when they hear the word education, uh, take a big, big breath and think back to all of their worst experiences. You know, things like learning quadratic equations, Does that ring a bell for anybody? Some of you remember learning the quadratic equation, but you've never had to use it for anything. How about matrices? Not the matrix that you're thinking of. How about calculus? Wasn't that a fun class? Who uses it? Calculus teachers. How about geometry? You know, teaches you how to draw stuff. And that's okay, except you have all those theorems that you have to know and then be able to prove things in the right order. Doesn't this just grab you that you want to go back to school again? I doubt it. Christian education should not in any sense be equated with these kinds of things. Rather, Christian education is very much like what they said in my old days, vo-tech education, vocational technical education. Everything you learned, you were going to use it and apply it and get better at it your whole life long. My favorite class was something called exploratory. It's seventh grade. I'm in junior high school, and I have all those terrible other classes, but this class was great because I learned how to cook and not kill myself. This is not microwave. This is actual cooking, baking. Our table of four boys got the award for the best cooks in the entire class. Then we got marked down because we were messy. 
but we learned how to do stuff in a, in a good general sort of way. We cooked up a storm, even made up our own little pizza. It was a great class. We also had electrical. How many of you can take a plant, a, a pl plant, a lamp that isn't working and you can rewire it? That's one of the things we learned. To this day, that's what I know about electrical stuff, and I can do stuff at home as long as it's not much above that level. Key word, don't cross the wires. We also learned how to run a sewing machine. That, that got away from me right away because guys did not run sewing machines. But in my junk back home somewhere, I have my sewing machine operator's card signed by the teacher. How's that? Also shop class. How to use saws, how to not use saws, how to make all sorts of things with wood and plastic. That was a great class. Everything I really needed to use in life, I learned in exploratory. It was wonderful. That's a better way of looking at Christian education. You should never just look at it as though I'm going to learn a bunch of stuff, I'll remember it as long as until the test comes, and then I'll forget about it. That's not Christian education. That's just learning a bunch of useless stuff. It's useless because you never used it. I'm going to make a statement next that some of you might think I am nuts. But Harvey, Irma, and maybe Jose, who is still down the track, are great blessings from God. I'm not kidding. But it's all in your viewpoint about things. If you think everything that happens is just by chance or by luck or by nothing at all, that maybe there isn't even God in charge, then when this sort of thing comes to you and smacks you in the face, your only reaction can possibly be terror, fear, and anger at God if you still think he's there. There are many people that run into these kind of things that are offended by these activities as though if God really existed, he should certainly stop all these terrible things from coming. No. These horrible, large events that we have no control over do wonderful things for Christians and non-Christians. People that have no connection with God at all can get really religious when these howling storms come barreling down on them. They might not know about God, but they certainly start saying things like, Oh, God! And they might even want to know more if God allows them to survive. And they may well come to you, because we have our own problems here in Michigan. And they'll want to know about this God, and you can tell them. Notice what Peter says, but continue to be growing in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this undeserved love. If God was only righteous, 
if he only did judgment based on what you deserved, this whole world would be engulfed in tornadoes, floods, hurricanes, every imaginable disaster. But God is above all gracious. I pray that these things that are happening may draw people to this terrible point that they cry out to God for help and that God may then continue to reveal himself to them. But that's largely the activity of friends and neighbors who are around. See, that's the blessing for Christians. You can begin to tell them about God's love, which is shown in Christ Jesus, but continue to grow in the grace and accurate, precise knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not this vague notion of God. What God? What does He do? Does He do what you want? Who's in charge here anyway? Only the accurate understanding of the true God is going to be of benefit to you, and it all centers in God's mercy revealed there in the Son of God. At one point, Philip, one of the twelve no less, said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough. Jesus' response to Philip was, Have you been with me so long, Philip, that you do not understand that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father? Jesus is the living, breathing presentation for all the world of what God is like, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These things that happen that seem so difficult to us are God's way of trying to educate us. Having said that, you may begin to realize that your Christian education should center on things that deal with real life. Now, this is not to say that you throw out all the maybe more difficult things like, what's the Lord's Supper? Where's Jesus since his ascension? What are the two natures of Christ? That may seem a little bit unimportant, and yet those truths, properly understood and believed, are of great comfort to people. Everything in Scripture is meant to bring us comfort, to show us the truth, and then to guide us in the meaningful way of life. I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Okay? Yeah, smile at me. You're supposed to do this. First of all, find, when you go home today or sometime this week, the book of Ecclesiasticus. And we'll come back next week and we'll have a spelling test whether you can spell it. Ecclesiasticus, I want you to take it nice and slow. Because the point of Ecclesiasticus is, what is the meaning of life? It's a little bit like I did with the kids. Solomon tried every possible activity, proposal, work project, philosophy, fun, excitement, a thousand wives, and he tried to find meaning and purpose in it 
without God. And that's the point of Ecclesiastes. If you leave God out of whatever you're doing, you have emptiness, emptiness. All is emptiness, vanity, vanity, a chasing after wind. Our ongoing Christian education is to draw from God's Word those blessings and guidance that He intends us to have. And then always understand that no matter where we're at or what we're doing, as I told the kids, Jesus should be there with you. And you should recognize that He is there with you. And that is Christian education. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting.